1: so kick back, relax and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hi, this is Nancy Ural, and welcome to High Road to Humanity. And as usual, we have a wonderful guest. Today, we have the psychic lawyer. Can you believe it, you guys? This is going to be exciting. Mark Anthony is here today, and they call him the psychic lawyer. He's written a really cool book. He's written a couple, but we're going to talk today about evidence of eternity. Now, if you're watching me on YouTube, I'm holding this book up right here, you guys. I'm sure we can pick this up on Amazon it's Evidence of Eternity Communicating with Spirits for Proof of the Afterlife and I've got some questions for him today so you guys before we bring him on uh, sit back and relax and I'm going to give you a little bit of information about Mark Anthony so Mark Anthony is a psychic lawyer he's a world-renowned fourth-generation psychic medium who specializes in communication with spirits He's an Oxford educated attorney and certified mediator, licensed to practice law in Florida, Washington, D.C., and before the United States Supreme Court. Wow. He's also studied mediumship at the prestigious Arthur Finley College, the advancement of psychic science. Now, Mark has appeared worldwide on radio and TV. You guys, he's been on ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, Coast to Coast. I think that's where I've heard of Darkness Radio from News Talk, CBS Radio. He's a featured speaker at conventions, uh, grief support groups, hospice organizations, conferences, expos, spiritual organizations such as the Edgar Cayce Association for Research and Enlightenment, and universities including Harvard, Brown, and Yale. Hey, Mark, welcome to High Road to Humanity.
2: Uh, thank you, Nancy. I appreciate you having me on your show.
1: I'm excited to have you. Hey, listen, I, I guess the first thing I want to know, and probably the audience wants to know too, is how did you, or when did you know you were psychic? Uh, and how long has this been going on for you? Tell us your story.
2: I started seeing spirits when I was about three and a half years old, and i oh. I start talking to them and, you know, it's not unusual for for children to start having invisible friends. However, both my parents could see my friends because both my parents also had mediumistic abilities.
1: I know. I read that. That's really, that was helpful. Your parents were psychic too.
2: Yeah. So they didn't look at it as as being really weird and odd, but I know my dad wasn't thrilled about it. My dad's family uh, was from Pennsylvania. His um, grandfather, who was my great his great grandfather, which was my great great grandfather, was a Baptist minister in okay. Pennsylvania. He founded a church, but my dad, his sister Marjorie, his mother Isabel, and um, my maternal uh, uh, great grandmother Grace were all mediums. Okay, and but they kept it under wraps. It was it simply wasn't discussed. Right. My mother's family came over from Italy. When, you know, the huge Italian immigration to to the United States, and uh, her great-grandmother, Giovanna, was known as the woman who knew things. I know.
1: I know. I want to interrupt you there. Would you mind telling a little bit about her and the story of her coming, or her husband coming to America?
2: Oh, yeah, Giovanna is really fascinating. In fact, uh, PBS did a special, The Italian Americans, a couple years ago. uh, And it was a, yeah, it was a two-night special, a couple hours each night. And they actually did an entire segment on Giovanna. Mm -hmm. And they referenced her psychic abilities. And what had happened was where my family uh, comes from in Italy. Italy, you know, everyone says it looks like a boot. Well, we're from the tip of the toe of the boot, a town known as Sheila. And sheila is a very ancient tradition. It's even uh, mentioned in the Odyssey. And it was supposed to be sea monsters would devour ships and things. What it is, it's the closest point uh, on the Straits of Messina between mainland Italy and Sicily. So it's very turbulent there. And um, basically around 1900, it was so impoverished. People were starving. And Giovanna had been, uh, she married this uh, dashing young engineer, Nunzio. I believe he went to a university in Naples and he, he was a civil civil engineer, um, actually a mechanical engineer. And the plan was he'd go to New, New What did they call it? L'America, New York. Okay. And he'd start a fan, you know, he, he would get set up there and then Giovanna could come over. Um, And one night Giovanna was hysterical and she, she snapped awake screaming and her father and her mother and his big Italian family, they all came in. What was going on? She goes, Nunzio, Nunzio. I saw him. I know he's dead. He's dead. At the same time in Brooklyn, Nunzio had been working for, I believe it was union gas and the Italians were considered expendable and Um. they sent the Italian workers underneath this giant boiler and the, the foundations collapsed, and it crushed to death um, Nunzio and about half a dozen other young men. And it was a, certainly a terrible tragedy. Right. And Giovanna came to America. She hired an attorney. She fought, and she got, she got enough money right. from the settlement to start a business. And then, of course, she married, who turned out to be my great-grandfather, And they started an ice cream and lemon ice business in in New York City.
1: Hey, I want to stop you a second. One thing that really caught me in the book is she was in um, Italy and she felt his spirit. She knew he had passed. I thought that was um, she was quite the medium. I wanted to bring him back.
2: Yeah, she really was. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to gloss. I'm so used No, to no, she I mean that was like family. wow, she
1: she felt him, she knew he was dead because she felt his spirit in the room. That really flirted me.
2: She she did, and she was mm-hmm. absolutely correct. And the thing about it is everybody in the village knew that, you know, Giovanna kind of a new things. Yeah. And so over the years in, in New York City, in North Jersey. And she, she was regarded with the
1: respect
2: that normally a mother superior of a convent would right, have.
1: Right, And
2: when uh, young nuns would come over to America, she'd house them and help them adjust. Um, and so she, she had all these incredible abilities. I mean, we could do an entire show on her. Um, what had happened to her. But there's, mm. there's one funny story that is in my my book, uh, Never Letting Go. Uh, about Giovanna and her husband, uh, Roberto, he, he was a workaholic. Uh, They had the lemon ice factory and next to the lemon ice factory was this uh, house. It was about, I think it was three stories and everybody lived there. And that's where my mom was born. So, and Giovanna, I think had like nine children, um, wow. so it was a big fan. but when she married Roberto, though, he had four children, then they had five together. And, oh, so
1: they had and okay. Also they had nine kids. Also they had nine kids and, okay.
2: and uh, of course, you know, and there's huge dinners every night and, and all of this. And Roberto was the workaholic. Okay. And apparently they're lemon ice and the family was always saying, We brought the lemon ice to the family, you know. <laughs> I love
3: to it. To America. To America, to New not, York. And, I love it. So whether
2: we did, and you know, but it <laughs> but it was certainly a real big deal. Wow. And uh finally Roberto died. I think he died of a heart attack. Oh gosh. And so one night, and this was when my mother, uh my mother Jeannie, okay. Okay, so so there's Giovanna, and then she had all these kids, and one of them was Angela. They called her Angelina. Mm-hmm. She was my maternal grandmother, okay. and she had three kids, my mother being the middle child, Jeannie. And Jeannie and Giovanna were really tight because my mom had these abilities as well. Okay. So one night, they're living in this house, and it is on um, Lafayette Street in Newark, New Jersey. They called okay. it Down Neck. Uh, I don't know why they call it down neck, but it's known as the ironbound section of Newark. Okay. And all of a sudden there's this racket going on like at two in the morning and everyone, all the lights are flipping on and, and everything was, was, was starting up in the, the ice cream factory. So the huge family runs down. Of course, the neighborhoods oh, wow. on the street, dogs are barking, they run in and all the machinery's working, but there's okay. nobody in there. Okay. okay. And so, and I've heard this untold times from, from all these eyewitnesses, And Giovanna walked in and goes, Roberto, you're dead. You don't have to work anymore. And all of a sudden, everything stopped. Oh, and everybody in the Italian neighborhood is in there looking, and you know Italians are—you know—we're—we're we're, we're rather boisterous. Not keep right, out right. of them; they all like ran out except my mom, and she and Giovanna looked at each other, burst out laughing because he was in there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it, oh my God! He hadn't passed on, and that's so <laughs> <how> funny. Well, <laughs> and, and that must have been easy—easier for you to have family like that, mm-hmm. so that when you saw these things, because have you always seen? Um, people who have pasts that are still here? Have you always seen souls?
2: Well, I don't believe that they're trapped here. And I know this is where I differ with a lot of my yeah, colleagues. Yeah, I was gonna ask
1: you about that, because they yeah. come to me and, and I always think they're stuck and, and I just send them to the light. So tell me your take on this, I wanna know.
2: As soon as we die, um, our consciousness is not created by the brain. The field of neuroscience is the study of the brain And neuroscientists say uh, the the official position is that the brain creates consciousness based on chemical reactions and electrical impulses, but they have no idea how. In fact, if you look at a neuroscience book, there's uh, maybe 900 pages on functions of the brain and maybe two or three paragraphs about consciousness. Well, that's because consciousness is pure energy, and energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. So the consciousness comes into the brain, and when we die, think of your soul like a drop of water energetically, and it leaves and plunges into the eternal sea of consciousness. Mm -hmm. All right? So when we die, we revert to a purely energetic state, and we know that. And spirits being pure energy and pure electromagnetic energy move at the speed of light, which is 186,282 miles per second. So at the time it took me to say that, a spirit could have been back and forth to the moon a couple times. That's wow. how fast that they move. That's crazy. So when we're grieving, and this is one of the things I explain in Evidence of Eternity, um, I developed the term frequency beacons. to. So you're grieving and you're emitting this impulse of sadness. Think of everyone that you know, both on this side and on the other side, mm-hmm. as being connected. It's like a a giant three dimensional spider web. And the reason a spider knows something's in its web is from the vibration. And I use this analogy because when you're grieving, you're emitting a vibration
1: out there. Hey, I'm going to stop it's, you. It's I'm going to stop you. We're going to talk more about this when we come back from commercial break. Um, You guys, I am here today with Mark Anthony. He is explaining to us what happens when you die about the energy. So um, meet us back here on the high road. His book is called Evidence of Eternity. This is Nancy Yearout. This is High Road to Humanity. And we'll be right back.
0: Hang on. We have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com to book a session with Nancy to learn how to tap into your own abilities.
1: Have you ever been in a situation where you needed a miracle? I think most of us probably have. Whether it's a financial emergency, health crisis, or some other serious situation, most of us know the feeling of helplessness and even hopelessness. Now imagine having to wait for a miracle for six months, even a year or more. That's the situation for thousands of children all around the world who are waiting for a sponsor. Their only hope of escaping the poverty around them is someone like you choosing them. This is Nancy Yarrow and I'm joining with Compassion, to give you the chance to be the miracle in a child's life. For a little more than a dollar a day, you'll provide the physical, emotional, and spiritual support a child needs, not just to survive poverty, but to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Don't make a child wait one day longer for their miracle. You can find out more or sponsor a child right now. Just go to my website, nancyyearout.com, that's www.nancyyearout.com
0: we want to thank you so much for listening to the show now welcome back to the high road
1: This is Nancy Arrell. This is High Road to Humanity. Hey, I'm here today with Mark Anthony, and he's a psychic lawyer. And we're talking about heaven, and we're talking about what happens when you die. And Mark, you were telling us that when we die, um, or we're talking about when we're thinking of a loved one, and that energy goes up there, it's like a spider web. Continue on, please.
2: Okay, so I use the analogy that everyone and everything... um, is energy well first off everyone and everything is energy and I can go into the lengthy quantum physics explanation but let's get to the good stuff right. so think of everyone that you know both on this side of uh, in the material world and our loved ones in spirit as being connected through a three-dimensional spider web and that it's vibration that alerts a spider as to what's in the web well let's take the spider out of it so you're grieving very heavily for a loved one right and that is energy and that vibration moves along that tether and a spirit picks up on it and it will draw him or her to you. That's okay. why you may feel that they're around you. That's okay. also why people tend to think that, oh, I'm holding them back. You're not. Okay. You can't contain or hold back energy. Conversely, a spirit can send a vibrational frequency, uh, frequency beacon to you. For example, so you're driving in a car and all of a sudden you turn on the radio and there's that song.
1: Right. It happens to all of us.
2: It does, or suddenly you smell a familiar scent, right? That and there's no source for it, right? Or you feel that you catch a a glimpse of a loved one out of the corner of your eye. These are not random occurrences, these are frequency beacons. So, energy is zipping back and forth between the material world and the other side, Um, and it works two ways. So we're not holding them back, but because they're able to move so quickly, they essentially quantum leap from the other side dimension to ours, and then they can pop in and out. So, So I don't want people who are grieving to think that because you're in such a profound state of grief that you're somehow harming or holding or back. anything spirit. like that,
1: yeah. Now, when yeah. you meditate, because when I meditate, I get my dad, because my dad passed not that long ago, and I get my sister. No, that's okay. But I mean, I get, uh, so do you, do you suggest, because I always tell people, if you meditate, then you connect better with your loved ones. Do you recommend that as well?
2: Absolutely. Meditation and prayer are the foundations, right. the building blocks of all forms of spiritual and psychic development. And sometimes, you know, meditation, a lot of uh, big corporations now are recommending or requiring employees, especially their vice presidents, to meditate because it makes them more productive. The way I like to describe meditation is think of your consciousness as a whiteboard. And from the second you wake up to the second you go to bed, each thought, emotion, impulse, you're writing something on that board. So by the end of the day, it's a mess. Mm -hmm. And with meditation, you erase the whiteboard and you're able to focus on one thing. Mm -hmm. And maybe that one thing would be, I want to communicate with my loved ones. Now not everyone is a medium but everyone is capable of having a mediumistic experience
1: right we all are are intuitive we all have that gut feeling
2: Correct. Mm-hmm. And we all have the same basic physiology, mm-hmm. which creates that. I mean, that being said, we all have the same basic physiology and muscles, but that doesn't mean I'm suddenly going to become Michael Phelps and an Olympic swimmer. Okay, we all have the ability maybe to play a guitar, but that doesn't mean we're going to you know, turn into some rock and roll lead guitarist or classical virtuoso. We're just simply all good at different things.
1: Right. Right, I agree with that. You know, what I liked that you said in the book, and I wanted to to read this, you said the ultimate objective of science may quite possibly be the discovery of God. I really like that because it's, I really feel like it's, it's time that science and religion, well, I mean that they realize, you know, that there is a higher power. I call it God. And um, I I really see us getting to that point. And, you know, with everything going on in the world, I want to know your opinion about that. Do you, do you think with the COVID, do you think with all the unrest that people are starting to connect with God more?
2: I think whenever people are in desperate times, we're looking for guidance, we're looking for answers. And so people naturally turn to the spiritual. Right. And I, I do believe that the ultimate objective of science is the discovery of God. But that's also a very Western mindset. And of course, I, I'm a Western guy. Because well, I
1: love it, though. That's cool. That was cool. But
2: well, in, in the East, particularly, let's say, in India, um, there's no debate that there's God. Even in, in the Islamic world, there's no debate that there's God. But particularly with the Hindus, the Jains, the Sikhs, they believe that we should work on seeing God, perceiving God. Whereas in the West, which includes the United States, Canada, Europe, Australia, and New Zealand, mm-hmm. we question the existence of God.
1: I know. And that's crazy to me because I just, and I feel like we've gotten further and further away from that. And so you feel that people are starting to get in touch, but just because of the situation we're in, but maybe that's why it's happening. What do you think? Uh,
2: see, I think the COVID crisis is a karmic shockwave on a global level. Okay. Because it, it, it has given us an opportunity, which unfortunately the ego-driven personalities and positions of power, in other words, world leaders, mm-hmm. are losing. Because for a limited period of time, back in March and April of 2020, when people worldwide seemed to be in lockdown, all of our scientists appeared to be working on a common goal. And while they were doing that and people weren't working, the skies began to clear. People in Mumbai, India could now see the skyline because the smog dissipating. Right. People in Beijing were also able to see the sky. Dolphins were sighted in the canals of Venice. They don't go there because it's so polluted. And all of a sudden, the world became cleaner. Animals began uh, going into areas in state parks and areas that that are usually frequented by humans right. and then all of a sudden we have to reopen money 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 greed 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 and all that ended at least in the united states and and uh in brazil and now we've degenerated back into the the materialistic um um egocentric way of doing things right where you we were given an opportunity that if all of our scientists work together, we could solve not only COVID but other diseases, we could solve food production issues. If we put our brain trust together, we can basically uh, develop clean fuels or a way to use fossil fuels in a cleaner manner. Right So we were given an opportunity. I hope it's not entirely lost.
1: Okay. because
2: i'm a firm believer nancy that nothing is a coincidence oh Everything absolutely for a reason
1: right 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 well and i just feel like it is making people stay at home and think and go within and find out what's really important in life because the material things are not what's important in life and i was hope i feel like this gave people an opportunity to think about that um, and to go within, because that's what we all have to do is to go within and, and, you know, heal ourselves and find our own power, I guess, within ourselves.
2: Uh, I agree. The other thing I noticed when everybody was in quarantine, uh, I'd, I'd go for walks. I like to, walk. I'm a walker. I love to walk. I love to hike. That's what I, I do for, for enjoyment. Okay. And I was seeing families, parents with their young children walking together, taking bike rides i was seeing families and couples people interacting in a way that i have never seen that happen mm-hmm. and it kind of reminds me of when my parents talked about you know back in the uh, in in their childhood before there was all these electronic distractions how dinner was a discussion right. among the family right. and so yes, this is a horrible thing. It is needs to be taken seriously. We need to be listening to the scientists, but it also gave us a glimpse of what could be.
1: Right, right. Hey, listen, I want to touch on uh, reincarnation here for a few minutes. Um, you know, a lot of people don't believe in reincarnation. Um, you spend some time on it in the book. I liked how you talk about in India and I was looking for the lady's name. I'm sure you can tell me. She, um,
2: Shanti Devi.
1: Yeah, Shanti <laughs> Devi. Wow. She was four years old and she remembered her, her past life. That's yes. crazy. So she told her parents that she had lived before who she was and, and took everybody to her old house. Yes. Crazy.
2: It, yeah. It's, um, I know we're coming up on a commercial break. We are. We um, are. I, yeah. I'd, I'd really like to talk about Shanti Devi because there have been a couple incidents in the last hundred years where reincarnation is being studied objectively. Finally. So we'll about Finally. Well, once again, in, in Hindu and Buddhist countries, it is, it is a fact. Because if most people have a four-year-old that start telling them about their previous life in the United States, you think the child has an active imagination. Right. Like, James um, Leininger. Okay. And uh, I talk about him in one of my reincarnation or in my reincarnation uh, lecture uh, that I give when I'm on tour. But in in, uh, India in the 1930s, when Shanti Devi started talking about her previous life, her parents being good Hindus said, something's up here. And and Actually, they paid
1: attention. They paid well,
2: attention. Well, even though India was part of the British empire at the time, it still had a sense of autonomy and they put Gandhi in charge of the investigation. So this, uh, certainly has all the elements with that would be a great movie. It, it was uh, written into a book by a Swedish journalist whose name is about that long. Um, and, um, Shanti Debbie is considered one of the most thoroughly documented and reliable cases of reincarnation on record.
1: Listen, when we come back from commercial break, will you tell the story?
2: Okay. Just tell her
1: story. Okay, cool. I will. All right, cool. <laughs> Hi, you guys. This is Nancy Uralt. This is High Road to Humanity. I'm here today with Mark Anthony. He's the psychic lawyer. We're going to talk about that, too. I'm going to ask him about his psychic ability and his cases when we come back, too. Um, his book is called Evidence of Eternity. What's your website, Mark?
2: Evidenceofeternity.com. All
1: right. This is Nancy Uralt. This is High Road to Humanity. And we'll, be right back.
0: we'll be right back on High Road to Humanity. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or download directly from Nancy's website, Nancy, com, so you never miss an episode of The High Road.
3: Do you struggle with knowing the right food for your lifestyle? Is there really a one right way to eat? As a chronic dieter, I was always so confused by the food rules and the fad diets. Where to even start? That's why I decided to go into health coaching. As your health coach, I will help you find the solution that is right for you. I will help you find balance. Unlike most dietitians and nutritionists, I focus on a whole person approach, not just food. I address stress, sleep patterns, underlying root issues, and so many other contributing factors to health. And as a mental illness survivor, I love talking about ways to fire up brain health. If you're interested in learning more and maybe even a complimentary consultation, contact me at www.sparkingwholeness.com or message me on Instagram through the handle sparking wholeness. And now let's get back to the show.
0: We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to the High Road.
1: Hi, this is Nancy Earle. This is High Road to Humanity. I'm here today with Mark Anthony. We are talking about... Reincarnation. And Mark, you're going to tell us a story. Um, tell us this story about this lady in India and how she was four years old and she remembered her past life. And they documented this. So this is really important stuff.
2: They did. This uh, little girl, her name was Shanti Devi, she started having memories of a past life when she was around four years old. And it, it got more and more intense. And the Indian government uh, at the time, was so interested in this. They actually put Mohandas Gandhi, AKA the Mahatma Gandhi in charge of the investigation. And she kept saying, I want to see my husband and my son. And and she kept talking about the name of the city that she lived in, which was, I think about 60 miles away, which back in the 1930s was a big deal. Mm -hmm. So what happened was the, the, uh, Indian investigators, they were on a train, they took her to the town. And when she got off the train, nobody told her where to go. And they followed her. So she went down all these streets and she walked up to this house. And she said, that's my house. But it used to be painted a different color. And she started explaining this and this and this. And of course, there was a crowd of people standing there. And there was a man standing in the doorway. And he said, well, I live here. And she looked at him and she goes, no, you don't. And she looked through the crowd and pointed at this one man and goes, he's my husband. Yeah. Well, the guy in the doorway was an actor that they hired. And he was had all these lines to say, you know, <laughs> to kind of try to mislead her. And she right. points to this guy. And he's the one that actually lived in the house. And he said, Well, yeah, my wife died about, you know, eight or nine years ago. Right. And she starts saying, Well, when we had sex, it was really painful because I had arthritis in my hip. Yeah. And your sister had an affair with this and your uncle, and she starts talking about all these really intimate details about the family. Things about the, the sun, I mean, it, the, the amount of information and stuff she wouldn't have known, had, right? could not possibly have yeah. known. Yeah. And so they set up a number of, of protocols and, and, and foils, if you will, and she overcame all of them. And so after, and Shanti Devi, I think she died not all that long ago, was well, probably about 30 years ago now. She never remarried, uh, but to the day that she died, she said that she had uh, remembered this life, and it was with such absolute clarity. She even described how she died in the previous life. Um, Now, Dr. Ian Stevenson from uh, University of Virginia, he's passed on, and he studied over 3,000 cases of children who remembered prior lives. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting about his Study, he focused on children who were able to recall a life that had happened not that long ago. And he was the first person to actually employ the scientific method of objective analysis without Mm -hmm. jumping to conclusions. And so his work was really startling. One of the more recent cases on reincarnation was James Leininger, who at about age three, three and a half, started drawing pictures of a plane crashing, right. and started talking about Chichijimi Chichijima, and then uh, the, uh, the name of the aircraft. He was on a Corsair, and he kept talking about Natoma. Um, long story short, um, the Natoma Bay was an aircraft carrier involved in the Battle of Iwo Jima, mm-hmm. and there was a 22-year-old pilot who was shot down over Chichijima, which is uh part of uh, iwo jima
1: right
2: also uh he kept talking about his friends um it was oh gosh i'm trying to remember their three names and uh he had three like gi joe dolls that he named these guys oh wow yeah and the thing is um there were pilots with those first names that flew with this uh pilot that got crashed and then he kept talking about his best friend um and they took this kid to a reunion of Natoma Bay survivors. I he, think
1: I've seen this, yes. Yeah, and he, he knew very, the people. He knew yeah. the people. Yeah.
2: He, he even knew girls that he met his best friend who was now like in his uh, late seventies, early I guess yeah. he was in his eighties. And he started talking about girls they used to date. And and this guy's like, How could this little kid
1: know these things? And I know. Happened. But Mark, I have a question for you about yeah. this. Now, is this why, okay, because I was thinking about this when you were talking about the lady from India, is it that we're not supposed to remember our past life because it would mess up our current life? Is that kind of what the deal is? And I was going to ask you also, if you know how long is it about a hundred years between times we come down here or is there any set times that we
2: well with uh James it was I guess 1945 to the 19 late 1990s okay uh with Shanti Devi it was like four years so yeah it doesn't matter I uh, know
1: that's really crazy. time
2: frame is and there's more than one incarnation Uh, The Hindus have been studying this for 5,000 years. The Mm -hmm. Buddhists also believe in reincarnation. Mm
0: -hmm. And
2: uh, the thought is, once again, that we're pure energy. And when our consciousness, our our eternal soul, the energy, separates Mm -hmm. from the body, goes to the um, collective consciousness, but that it can reattach to another host, meaning a fetus. And your question is, are we not supposed to remember this? Well, that certainly is the debate. It, it, it yeah. appears that it would interfere with our timeline and, and things like that. And, and then, of course, the skeptics, you know, are always negative about um, everything, uh, say that, well, why don't we all remember it? I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I have insights. I don't know if anyone has all the answers. The Hindus say, because you're supposed to start with a fresh slate, mm-hmm. but they also say that you have to even out things between uh, what well, you Well, yeah, like karma.
1: Yeah, karma. Like karma. Yeah, and I want to talk to you about karma um, real quick here too, because I've heard different things on karma. I've heard recently, somebody said to me, there is no more karma that's done and over with. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Okay, talk to me about karma. What's your What's your take on it? I mean, hey, yeah. for every action, there's a reaction, right? I don't know. Well, there's-
2: that that's a misconception of okay. what karma is because okay. that that is based on on um, the laws of physics. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So if that were the case, every time you did something good, immediately something bad would happen to you. Because for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction is an immediate thing. For Uh example, if you're paddling a canoe, as you stroke the canoe in the water, you're creating an action, and the reaction is for the canoe to be propelled forward. Karma is the ripple effect. So if you do something positive, it sends out... A ripple effect that eventually will um, return in some form, and that's why the Hindus, the Buddhists, the Christians, the Muslims, all the religions come down to two words, be nice. If you look at it, all of the religions address karma in some form or another. In Christianity, in the book of Galatians, uh, God shall not be mocked, whatever a man shall sow, he shall reap. Mm -hmm. So if you sow negativity, you'll reap it. That's why I tell people, sow positivity, reap mm-hmm. positivity. Let's send out positive ripples. Let's so get send out back. positive intentions. And that's what, what all the, the religions are about. And mm-hmm. let's face it, I'm glad it's not for a reaction. There's an equal and opposite reaction. Because think about it, if you help an old lady across the street, then all of a sudden you get run over by a truck. Right, and, that wouldn't work so well. And we don't want that.
1: <laughs> okay, all right. Hey, you now I have another, I want to talk to you, we only really, have an hour, you know, I have so many questions to ask you. I'm so glad you came on today. I um, I really liked your book. I want to tell you that, and I want to tell the audience um, this is a really good one, you guys, because he talks about heaven and he talks about what happens when children die and he talks about suicide. And I can't cover everything in our show time, but Mark, you did a really nice job. And you do readings throughout this, um, and you share it with you know the reader so that we understand. Um, one thing I, that really caught me is you talk about the levels of heaven and I've heard about the levels of heaven, but when you, you kind of explain it, you had, um, a client come to see you, I think her name was Josie and she comes to see you and you tell her, um, because her, her husband had committed suicide and killed the kids, yeah. but you told the story and it was a sad, sad story, but you told it so that we would understand there are different levels of heaven because you said, The kids could visit the father, but the father couldn't visit the kids. Can you talk about, and that made sense. So can you talk about the different levels of heaven? Because it explains hell a little bit. You know what I mean?
2: Well, hell in the archetypal sense of, you know, going down, (laughs) you know, I mean, that is a it's, a bunch of nonsense created by the Romans to after keep us they down. They took hold of Christianity, <laughs> right? And uh, in in my new book that I'm working on, uh, I've been asked so much about that. I, I go into the the history of hell. Oh, cool! And, and where where it comes where it comes from, but think about what Albert Einstein said, there is no matter, there's just energy which vibrates at different frequencies so as to be perceptible to the senses. Think about tuning into a radio station, you have many different frequencies, some on a lower band, some on a higher band, and the other side appears to be the same way, and so somebody like, uh, you know, a nefarious person like Osama bin Laden or Adolf Hitler is certainly not going to go into the same frequency as a mother Teresa or a John Lewis. Right. Okay. They're going to go into to a higher frequency because their lives were dedicated to spreading positivity and love and, and freedom as opposed to negative, negative acts. And so the, I've, I've received this so many times in readings, but that particular session, and, and for the listeners, I do readings and uh, phone readings are just as accurate as in-person readings because spirits being pure energy move at the same speed as the phone call, which is the speed of light. And mm-hmm. you can find out about all that on my website, evidenceofeternity.com. Okay. But what had happened in that story, it was so very sad because this woman, she's a grief counselor. That's her job. And her husband was at home with the children He had some emotional depression issues. They just started him on a new medication. She said, okay, I'm going to go get some fast food. So she went to go pick up some burgers. And when she came back, she was horrified. Apparently her husband had a really horrific reaction. Hmm. It sent him into a psychotic episode. He took a gun shot both of his children to death. They could tell the little girl was running away because he shot her in the back of the head. Then when he realized what he did, he took the gun to his own head. Mm-hmm. And so she comes home and here this is. Right. So when the connection came through, the children came in, then the, the, the father came in and uh, you know, the, the full readings very, very impactful. So people, Uh, should read about it in Evidence of Eternity, but she said at the end of it, she goes, I'm angry. He gets to see them, but I don't. And her kids came back in and said, we can see dad when we want, but he can't come to our level. So and I, and I, I was, yeah. That's so how you knew. Yeah. That's how I knew, and, yeah. and I've seen this happen. And it's funny because there's other people um, that I. Hey, listen, to. we got to go to
1: commercial break. We got to talk okay. more about this when we come back. Hey, you guys, we're, it's going way too quick today. I'm here today with Mark Anthony, the psychic lawyer. Uh, his book is called Evidence of Eternity. This is High Road to Humanity. This is Nancy. You're out. We'll be right back.
0: We'll be right back with the High Road and more. Don't forget to visit Nancy's website at nancyyearout.com to sign up for her online classes or to book a private session to learn how to tap into your own abilities.
1: Do you feel like something is missing in your life? Do you feel lost or alone? Do the things you buy for yourself lose their luster quickly? Are you searching for fulfillment within your heart and soul? the universe is speaking to you it's available to you on my website at www.nancyyearout.com that's n-a-n-c-y-y-e-a-r-o-u-t.com barnes and noble and amazon and thanks for picking up my book and may the energy of the universe bless you
0: We want to thank you so much for listening to the show. Now, welcome back to The High Road. Oh,
3: get,
1: Hi, this is Nancy Earle. This is High Road to Humanity, and we're here with Mark Anthony. Mark, God, I could sit here and talk to you for a couple hours about all this stuff. I'm going to have to have you back on the show. Um Good you. Yeah, continue telling us uh, about um, the different levels of heaven. I hated to cut you off there, but No,
2: that's fine. And once again, I want people to, to realize I'm not all knowing and all seeing, but after conducting over 15,000 readings for people and in that reading, generally, especially on the one-on-ones, you're going to get half a dozen or more spirits coming through. So in, in my life, I've communicated with well over a hundred thousand spirits and I start notating, um, Consistent patterns mm-hmm. of what they're transmitting. First off, they all say reincarnation is real, which is interesting because um, I had a near-death experience when I was four, okay. so that's why I lecture at the International Association of Near Death Studies and at other near-death experience conferences. What
1: happened?
2: What happened? Mark? Um, well, hold on, I'll get to that and say all the NDEers, ears. We all believe in reincarnation because this is part of the message. Okay. What happened with my near-death experience? Okay. So I was three and a half. I started seeing spirits about six or seven months later. It was in the summer and my family was living in Orlando, Florida. My dad was a Navy SEAL, ex Navy SEAL, but he was in aerospace and he had to be um, away on business. So uh, an impetigo pandemic, okay. flew, Flew through our community and I got a really, really bad case of it. Wow. apparently it gave me uh septicemia and our, our um, my mom took me to the doctor and he said, Oh, well, he's just got Go Take him home. If his fever gets high, put him in a bathtub, put some bleach in there. It'll help with the rashes. Well, my fever kept climbing and climbing and my mother was like, I, I can't get this under control. And she had me in the bathtub and I can remember, I remember smelling, I was four years old. I, I remember this. The
1: bleach, yeah. I
2: smell in the bleach and all of a sudden, I, I went into I stopped breathing and mom scooped me up and my sister uh, immediately yeah. sprung in action. She called called for an ambulance. My brother ran across the street. Because he saw that our neighbor across the street was home because he was a fireman. And his oh. patrol car was out there. And he, uh, we knew him as Fireman Rory. That was, you know, his name was, I think, Rory Rule or something. and called him Fireman Rory. And mom runs outside of the house. She goes, help me. My baby's dying. Mark's not breathing. And so he starts doing CPR on me. They get me breathing. And he goes, get him in the patrol car, okay? And uh, so he's going to, moving to intercept the ambulance. And so the ambulance pulls over. They get me, put me in the ambulance, take off. And all of a sudden, I'm hovering above the ambulance, and I'm seeing it heading down the highway. And I'm, I'm wondering why there's numbers on the top of it, okay? So let me get back to the ambulance before I get into what happened to me, is that when they slammed the ambulance door, the ventilator hose got caught in the door and I wasn't getting oxygen, oh, and the no. paramedic and my mom was in there with them, and they're bouncing around. and And he said, "Oh my God, he stopped breathing again." And he he goes, "Unless we can get this going, he's gonna die." And my mom said, "I'll get the ventilator hose." They're going like ninety miles an hour, so he's holding on to the gurney with me on it, and he's holding on to my mom's waistband. And Jeannie, my mom was the trip; she was awesome. Pry <laughs> the door open, grabs the ventilator hose with her foot. Oh, Meanwhile. I'm all of a sudden, I'm seeing this floating away. And also, everything goes white. And I'm in this place and these beings start coming towards me. And they look like the outline of a person, but they were clear, like translucent. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't scared of them. I thought that, you know, I, I was like, Oh, who are you? And, and they all seemed to know who I was, or they all knew who I was. And they're very kind and sweet. And then I started going deeper and deeper into the light. and um, I got this message: Eternal Light, Eternal Life. And they said you have to go back, and I didn't want to go back. I but I did. I, I wanted to be with my family, but here I was. And then all of a sudden, I hear clear, and, and um, there you were. <laughs> there I was. So they they hit me with defibrillators because they got the oxygen back on, but I'd gone into cardiac arrest. And they hit me with defibrillators, and so I came back. And then later on at the hospital, my dad had flown back in. He was in Huntsville at the space center there, uh, the space facility. He flew back in, and um, they got my temperature down because they're giving me intravenous antibiotics. And I said, "What the? What is eternal?" And I remember my parents looking at each other, and they said, "Oh my gosh, tell us what happened." Well, what I didn't realize. Is that my father had had two near death experiences prior to this oh, when he wow. was sixteen, and then when he was a U.S. diver, um, he was like about 150 feet deep when he started drowning, and he, he um, and his regulator jammed, and he was 150 feet deep in the ocean off the New Jersey coast, and he started sucking, you know, mm-hmm. water, and he went into the light, and he remembered this light from when he was sixteen and in a car crash. Mm -hmm. And it was the same voice. And they said, not yet, Earl. Yeah. Gotta go back. Yeah. And then when I was 17, my mother died on an operating table and she went into the light. So both of my parents and I have had near death experiences. And, but my parents didn't know what to call them. Because the, the term hadn't been coined until Dr. Raymond Moody started the entire field of near-death mm-hmm. experience research and survival of consciousness studies right,
1: right
2: so so yeah there's an afterlife I mean there is something beyond this world and for the people who say that there isn't, here's all I have to say to you you're in for a Big surprise.
1: I know. Surprise.
2: <laughs> a, good so one, you know. a good one. A good one. So be nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, because what night you night do night. down
1: here. Yeah, and I want to say that real quick. And I always say it on all my shows, but I mean it sincerely from my heart. Really pay attention to your words and your actions because what you do down here really makes a difference. Because it depends on, I guess it makes a difference on what level you get and if you got to come back again.
2: It appears to. It appears yeah. to, yeah. and people say, well, why do we have to come back? Once again, I have we're insights. We're learning, we're uh, learning. Learning, and apparently we can experience things in corporeal form right. that we can't in a purely energetic state, because pure energy doesn't get sick, it doesn't get old.
1: I know, no feelings, oh. no feelings. That's what Well. It Hey, it's I love. have a question. I have yeah. a quick question. We've only got 5 minutes. Can you tell I'm so excited you're here today. And you're so knowledgeable and you know so much stuff. Um, I want to ask you about angels. Um, now, you saw beings coming towards you. Have you ever seen an angel or have you had experiences where when you were doing a reading, uh angels came through, would talk to me. Do you see people's guardian know- angels?
2: Thank you for, for asking that, Nancy, because I believe those beings were angels. Okay. And, here, and here's why. Okay. Whenever I've done readings for people and their loved ones come in, um, occasionally one of those beings, I call them the the light, the light people, the okay. light beings. Yeah. Uh, the, the best way to describe it, you know how an Academy Award looks? It's like you know an Oscar looks. Yeah. 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 Instead of being gold, it's translucent, but it glows from the inside out. And whenever I've encountered an entity that you and I would consider to be an angel, that's what they look like. Okay. Angels were never people. People um, don't become angels. They're a separate intelligent spiritual uh, species, if right. you will. And um, it's, it's really amazing. And over the centuries, you, you know, people have depicted them as, you know, with wings and, yeah. and all these different, I think it's because of the way the, the, the humanoid form And the way they glow, it seems like the light projections that come out.
1: Make it look like they have wings. Is that what it is?
2: Right. And so people have been seeing these entities for thousands of years. And artists have been depicting them in a way that that we could understand them. Because, I mean, realistically, why would an angel need wings? I mean, this is a purely energetic being capable of moving at the speed of light. But uh, the white wings and uh, the gold wings or what have you uh, Mm -hmm. may be an artist's interpretation of light emanating from this entity.
1: Okay. Now, when you do a reading in for somebody, can you, so can you see like their, um, you know, guardian angels around them, or do you pick that up or do you pick up their spirit guides? I'm sure you do. Yes. Um,
2: I see things, hear things, feel things, know things. Generally, the folks that come through are ones that they can identify okay. that are related to them, but I have done readings where what you would call spirit guides Uh okay. make- Group, also, angelic, and these people always want to know about demons and devils and things like that. Well, I've they're out there, right? Well, I've encountered a lot of non human spiritual intelligence. Okay. And that doesn't necessarily mean it is somehow evil or negative. And they appear to be spiritual beings more aligned maybe with animals or plants or the earth itself. Um, in england they call them fairies in ireland leprechauns i've heard of sprites elves in the nordic countries when i was in japan the shinto religion they referred to the kami k-a-m-i as these gods deities that frequent certain areas and um well that's a whole discussion on that was also the basis for the kamikazes but uh the the it's the same type of energy. I've encountered them all over the world. But it's just they people call them different things.
1: Right, I'm with you.
2: And, and I know that this sounds like really out there, but the idea that we are the only intelligent species, right, not just in the universe but in the multiverses, is, is both naive and arrogant.
1: I agree. I agree. Hey, listen, we're coming to the end of the show. I want to know what kind of a message maybe you have for humanity right now with everything going on in the world. I mean, what's a message you can leave us with, Mark?
2: That God exists. The afterlife exists. Our soul is an immortal living spirit that we can communicate with those souls and we will be reunited with our loved ones in the light when it is our appointed time to leave the material world. Wow. That's wonderful.
1: Mark, give your information. If somebody would like a reading, how do they get in touch with you?
2: Well, it, for people who apply for a phone reading on my website, evidenceofeternity.com, mm-hmm. and if they mention Nancy's show and High Road to Humanity, you will qualify for a reduction in the fee. Oh. So you will re- qualify for a reduced fee reading, and I'm making this available to your listeners. Thank now. you.
1: Wow. Thank you. Plus,
2: they have to mention in the application form your name and High Road to Humanity because- okay. First off, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Secondly, Mm -hmm. we all have to do our part during the COVID crisis, and a lot of people are out of work and under financial pressure. And you can sign up for a reading, sign up for my newsletter, follow me on Facebook, social media, uh, subscribe to my newsletter and YouTube channel, all at evidenceofeternity.com.
1: Well, thank you, Mark. Thanks for being here today. Hey you guys, this is Nancy Year Out. We will see you next week. This is High Road to Humanity and have a terrific week. Take care. Hey you guys, join me next week on the High Road for more stories filled with wisdom, love, and hope for our future. Have a fabulous week and know that by staying on the high road you will make it to your destination. Visit my website, nancyyearout.com where you can book a private session to learn how to tap into your own abilities. And check out my YouTube channel. It's Nancy Uralt's High Road to Humanity.